Culture is catechizing and indoctrinating our kids 24-7. From the time they emerge from the womb, our kids grow up in a media-saturated world that tells them who they are, what to believe, and how to live in the world. Sadly, the culture more often than not steers our kids away from the life-giving answers that the Bible provides to all these questions. Parents and youth workers, we need to be intentional about teaching our children and teens a biblical worldview, and that's what we're talking about today as we chat with Amy Davison from Mama Bear Apologetics on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller here at CPYU, and if you track with us, you know that we were we are always on the lookout for great resources, human resources, printed resources, online resources, people and organizations that can help us do our job better as as parents, as we are called to nurture our kids in the faith, as youth workers, as we're called to assist parents in that process of nurturing kids in the Christian faith. And we know that in today's world, if you track with us here at at CPYU, you know there are so many challenges that our kids are facing from the culture, and we've been working to keep you aware of those for years now. And it's been a blessing for me to see sort of a new wave of organizations that are rising up that share this passion and that are addressing it with, really, from the foundations of good biblical theology, good thinking, and leading kids into understanding what it means to follow Christ in this strange, as Carl Truman says it right, the strange new world. And one of those organizations that I kept hearing about over the last couple of years is Mama Bear Apologetics. And we had people like Elisa Childers told us about this when she was on here, Elizabeth Urbanowitz and some others have brought Mama Bear Apologetics up. And so uh, we did a little digging around and we found them very quickly. And it's my pleasure to welcome Amy Davison, who is the podcast co-host for Mama Bear Apologetics and then the contributing blog author, and then she's written other things as well, which she'll tell us about. It's my pleasure to invite you, Amy, to our podcast. So thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Walt. It's great to be here. Yeah, so um, just so people know a little bit about you and then a little bit about Mama Bear Apologetics, how you got involved with this and where the organization came from and the mission. Love to hear about yeah. that. Absolutely. Well, the organization came out of uh, the conviction of Hillary Morgan Ferrer. She was in school studying apologetics. And what she noticed was there was a lack of ministries that were geared toward equipping moms with better understanding challenges to the faith so that they can better equip their children. And so she does not have any children herself, but she goes, you know, what I do have is uh, time and the ability to research. And so she started bringing together like-minded women to create a ministry of multiple voices to be able to speak into the mom culture in a very winsome and accessible way. Because one thing that we've all sort of noticed as women in ministry is there can be that sort of misunderstanding that theology, apologetics, even touching on philosophy is, is too heady. Like, 
like you have to have, you know, one of those amazing leather bound libraries and the, the jackets with the patches on the elbows to comprehend all of this. And no, it is, it is accessible and it is relevant to everyday parenting. And that's what we do is we take top cultural challenges to the faith, whether it's in pop culture today, or even looking at apologetic challenges and questions that parents as well as kids have. And we write blogs, we do podcasts. We even have an audio apologetics blog to where we take other articles that other ministries have written and just record it. So that way, moms, when you are on the go, you can pop in an audio apologetics blog in your car and you can get poured into in the midst of grocery shopping and laundry and shuttling kids from sporting events. And it's just, it's, it's not even just for moms. We have so many papa bears, grandmama bears and grandpapa bears. It's basically, if you pour into children in any way, shape or form, be they young children all the way up until the college age, we are a ministry for you to help you better understand the faith and equip your kiddos to stand firm against the cultural tide. And that is, that is our goal. And so I came to mama bear Several years ago, I had been watching their Worldviews series that Lindsay Medenwalt had been writing, and I was just finishing up my own master's degree in apologetics, and, and I just shot an email saying, hey, I don't know if you need anybody, but uh, here's a few things that I've written, and just let me know if I can ever be of help. And I think I got an email 20 minutes later, and Hillary and I, we, we started talking on the phone. We ended up meeting that January and we we hit it off and realized, man, you know, our personalities, we have a lot of fun together. Let's let's start doing recording podcasts because she was in need of a podcast co-host. And that's kind of the rest is history. We now have been producing podcasts and blogs. Uh, I've been writing not exclusively, but uh, most in the realm of sexual ethics and sexuality. And we just come out, I just helped write the Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality book that is just released this last October. And so it's just been, it's, it's been a whirlwind. I never expected to be in women's ministry, but I'm so grateful that God has brought me here. Mm, that's awesome. And, and you, you kind of, as I'm thinking of questions as you're talking, uh, one of them you answered already about, you know, I'm thinking, man, this is great for women. Are the men jumping in on this? Are the dads jumping in on this? Talk a little bit about that. I know you said they are. Uh, mm -hmm. What's the response been to that? Yeah, so it's funny because initially, you know, Mama Bear Apologetics, the name, the guys automatically think, oh, you know, this is a women's ministry. But so often we have had many dads come back and be like, oh, you know, I saw the Mama Bear Apologetics book on the on the nightstand. I decided to pick up and flip through and they love it as well because they can relate to the stories. So many of our stories have to deal with, you know, the funny shenanigans that our kids get us into or, you know, comical situations that bring about great spiritual conversations that they can completely relate to. And so many dads now are really feeling this desire to nurture their children spiritually as well. So often it's the mom that is more of the spiritual head of the house uh, when it comes to really pouring into the kiddos, which makes sense. You know, we're the ones up changing the diapers most often and nursing the little ones and, and being there at preschool and, and that sort. But we have so many dads who also want to be right there next to their wives. And so they've been picking up our books. They've been attending our conferences. In fact, I just did a conference here recently that was just for women only. And it, it was really sweet because there were so many of the dads that were like, wait a second, we want to go too. And it, it's just because we 
we're all at that same level of child rearing and men and women, husbands and wives want to know how to raise their kiddos. So yeah, they, we've gotten so much support from the guys. They enjoy hearing our conferences uh, and sessions just as much as their wives, because it's not just strictly women focused, it's parenting focused, which, you know, appeals to grandparents as well. So it's, it's really awesome as well as youth ministry workers. Yeah, and we have those folks who are listening here. I know the parents, and I've said often, I mean, I've been reading some books lately that as I'm reading them, going, okay, this is this is written for the women, but this is really mm-hmm. helpful. So we had Sarah Zylstra on here talking about her book about social media, and a bunch of women wrote that. She edited mm-hmm. that, and it's really written for women. But I thought there's so much we can as men glean from this. Uh, Lisa Childers' latest book, um, Live Your Truth, same thing. As I'm reading yeah. her stories, I'm thinking— they're resonating with me, but they're going to resonate more with the moms and, you know, her sense of humor and her winsomeness, as you said. And so uh, that's what I really appreciate appreciate about this. And, and it's been a joy for me as someone who's been around a little, well, quite a bit longer than you, uh, but I've been around for a while to see and hear the number of female voices that are speaking up and providing really valuable, valuable resources that, that go deep. So um, yeah, we, we really appreciate that. You mentioned on the tail end there, youth workers. I, I want to affirm that as well because, you know, sometimes we see things and they're not, like you said with the title, they're not exactly branded or marketed to my particular group as opposed to, you know, mama bears, you know, as you said, young moms, that demographic. Uh, just talk a little bit about that, what your hope might be for youth workers, because we have them listening. And and I just want to say, I think this is valuable stuff for them as well. Absolutely. And and it's been neat to see how these books not only have been reaching the youth workers, but the teens as well. So we have, it's not just parents that are reading these books, their teenagers are actually reading it. And I think what they appreciate is just the accessible approach that's there. It's we're going to look at the issue as charitably and as unbiasedly as possible, because that's that's required of good discernment is you have to hear somebody out first. And what's so problematic is, especially with news media, it's always going to be one perspective or another. There's going to be heavy bias influence and teens want good charitable information. And that's why this book is so valuable, even to youth workers, because, okay, these are the questions that more than likely your teens are wrestling with, debating at the lunch table, interacting with their, um, with their uh, civics class. And so here's just a brief flyover of what this is, main talking points, the people who are involved in the movement, what are they actually arguing for? And then unpacking the worldview that's often wrapped within these cultural topics and giving parents as well as youth leaders practical discussion questions that now they can incorporate when they're talking with their teens so they can help their teens understand the issue and be able to expose the faulty logic, um, the false worldview promises, salvation promises, sin issues, you know, all of these questions that every worldview has to answer, and then be able to compare, okay, this is what they're looking for. This is how it falls short. Here's how the gospel actually gives us exactly what each person is searching for. And that is so powerful because what that does is it trains the next generation to think critically. And our culture today does not want 
anyone, especially our young people, to think well, because if they can discern truth from falsehood, well, all of a sudden they're going to recognize when faulty logic, when emotional appeals are at play, and they're going to realize, wait a second, all these promises that I'm being offered of how this organization or, you know, maybe this belief or movement is going to offer me all the things I'm seeking for. Wait a second. They actually cannot do that. In fact, that's only found in Christ and they'll be able to pick up on divisive tactics. And that's one thing, especially with youth culture, we have to be helping teens do is to think well, because this Gen Z, they have never known a day of their lives without a cell phone or social media. And so many of them have been groomed to retweet, but what we really need our kiddos to do is do research. And that's uh, so much a part of youth ministry now. It's not about entertaining teens. It's about actually equipping them to effectively wield the armor of God so they can stand firm in culture. And so that's what Mama Bear Apologetics does. Yes, it's geared toward moms, but it's so relevant toward anyone in ministry because it actually helps train ourselves first on how to think well and interact with culture charitably without maybe being you know, freaking out over what's initially coming through the, the TV screen or on their music and being able to think, okay, wait a second, what's our process here? What are they actually saying? What are the, what's the good? What's the bad? Um, how does the gospel actually offer what we are truly seeking? And then what else can I do to have follow-up conversation to keep this discipleship process going? And that's, that's one of the blessings of this ministry is that it's, it's not just te teaching people what to think it's teaching how to think and right. then how to recognize gospel and false claims within culture. Yeah. This, boy, this puts a smile on my face because yeah, this is what we've been doing here for 30 years. And it's wonderful to hear that there are other organizations out there that are doing this in, in a way that's really balanced because typically we find that uh, when Christians engage with culture, uh, the engagement sometimes is just, you know, shielding, children from culture rather than teaching them how to think, which launches them into an adulthood where uh, they're fair game because they've never been taught oh, yeah. how to think critically about things, critically and Christianly, we would say. Mm -hmm. Or, or you know, so that would be out of fear. Or there are those who just sort of out of ignorance or laziness, um, you know, being side you know sidetracked by their own interest parents who would, you know, say, eh, it's going to turn out all right. You know, they just kind of throw their kids into the culture and, and hope that, you know, everything lands where it should land, which is, it doesn't happen. The culture's nurturing yeah. our kids. So I love what you're saying here. Did you, uh, personally, did you grow up in, in a youth ministry? Was that part of your story or no? No, uh, it really wasn't. So we were just, we weren't frequent churchgoers as my growing up years, you know, they're usually Christmas service or, or Easter and, and sporadically here and there. Um, I did attend youth group for a little bit in my middle school years, but that it w wasn't very consistent. And so I ended up walking away from the faith for a time in high school because uh, I had just seen some some Christians who were not acting very Christ-like toward me. And I thought, well, if that's what the gospel is, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I ended up walking away from the faith and even getting uh, involved with Wicca for about a year. Um, but God was constantly at, on my heart uh, throughout that entire year process. And I ended up coming back to him and being like, okay, let me just, let me just read the gospel. Let me just read the Bible. And I ended up going to a Christian summer camp and getting baptized shortly before going to basic training, which if you're ever going to come to the Lord right before basic training is great timing because you need him <laughs> to go through basic. And, uh, and so it, it's just been this 
awesome growth process to where going through the military and eventually being led into ministry, it's really been awesome to see how he has shepherded my life to, to get me where I am today. Would, would your story, like, so when I went on the website, you know, I see this, this photograph, I don't know, what were there, 20 of you at an apologetics conference? Yeah. And you're standing on the steps. You're all wearing the Mama Bear T-shirts. I, I must note, you know, I kind of giggled a little bit when you said about the, you know, the tweed jackets with the elbow patches, the philosophers. I noticed you weren't wearing those, nor were you smoking pipes. Uh, I know. I really need impressive. to get yeah. one of those. Yeah, a pipe? Yeah, yeah you know, I think it would just up my game. I would yeah, just look, well, you if know. you do, don't blame it on me because that'll come back <laughs> to haunt me. I'm sure there'll be people who will bring that up. People will find great joy in that, I'm sure. But um so with the folks that you're working with, are are most of those, and I guess you call yourselves mama bears, right? Would yeah. most of those folks who you're working with, your colleagues there, um, they're doing the same thing you're doing? Or are they in different ministries? And would, would yeah, answer that one, then I've got another one for you. Yeah, so that picture there was actually at our Women in Apologetics conference a few years ago. And so not all of the ladies that have the Mama Bear shirts are actually Mama Bears. So some of them are just, they have their own ministries uh, as well. And so everybody's story is different. I mean, you've had Elisa Childers on and she encountered a very progressive church. Um, you know, there were some of us that were, were you know, on fire believers from the time we were little, others uh, were not. So that's what's just so amazing about all of these women within the apologetics realm is that we we each have our own different story and it's able we're able to use that and connect with other women as well and and just meet that need because for the most part theology philosophy apologetics it is predominantly men not as a bad thing but that's just how how it is and there's there are women who won't attend conferences and that sort of thing just because they it may feel off or intimidating but if there's a woman speaker oh my gosh they are right there and they're so excited and that's probably one of the the funniest things i've encountered just even being within ministry is you know uh, talking and ministering to other ladies and having them come up and being like oh my gosh i love that you have a personality they're so excited when they can encounter someone who can laugh and joke and and you know kind of make fun of themselves while sharing not only their own journey but how they've wrestled with these challenges to the faith and uh, and they love that and it gets them on fire for apologetics it gets them on fire to get to know their savior better and that's awesome and i love how god can use all of us and we don't all fit this perfect little cookie cutout of what you would expect or what you might think of somebody in ministry but yet god is able to use that to further the kingdom it's fantastic yeah this is so good and i and, and again i'll just i'll just say you know like what you just said right there the stereotype of an apologist or you know, someone who is, you know, a philosophy professor, you're thinking, you know, male. I know. I know at Geneva uh, College, where Chris and I both went, he, a couple decades after me, uh, one of my friends there, Esther Meek, who taught philosophy and who has since retired, you know, she was there. And it was refreshing, you know, to, to see and hear from, from Esther, because there was a perspective that was uh, a bit softer and, and a little more engaging and certainly winsome. So, uh, I really appreciate this. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to hear specifically about, uh, there's two books I know that you folks have, have, have published already, and I want to hear specifically about them. You did mention them, but a little bit of what folks can expect, because I do think that, as you said, the, these, as you were talking, I thought, you know, boy, these would be great books for, at the very least, uh, small group leaders who are leading girls in small groups 
in youth ministries, these would be great to use there. So I, I want to come back and talk about them. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, Youth Culture Matters listeners. We've been told that one of our best-kept secrets here at CPYU is our one-minute daily podcast, Youth Culture Today. Each and every weekday, we release a new episode that's timely, practical, and hope-filled, all for an audience of parents, youth workers, and anyone else who cares about kids. Here's a sample from one of our recent Youth Culture Today episodes. Youth Culture Today with Walt Mueller of the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. Culture is what we believe, what we do, and how we live our lives from day to day. It binds us to those who think and live in a similar manner. It's the values, attitudes, and behaviors that drive how we live our lives. I've always found it helpful to view youth culture as the soup our kids swim in every day. Consequently, if we want to engage students for the sake of the gospel, we'd better take the time to know what's in the soup. In one of my local restaurants, the soup bar features three selections. I've watched how people choose their soup. They lift the lid off the pot, stir the soup, lift the ladle, and examine the soup's ingredients. If they like what they see, they fill their bowl. If we are to effectively engage our students with the truths of the gospel, we must step up to their world, lift the lid, and look carefully at the unique and ever-changing mix of cultural elements they swim in every day. Are you taking the time to know and respond to your kids' youth culture? For more on youth culture, visit us on the web at cpyu.org. Youth workers, do your parents a favor and get them to subscribe to Youth Culture Today wherever they get their podcasts. Well, we're having a conversation here with Amy Davison from uh, Mama Bear Apologetics, and uh, I'm enjoying this because it's just resonating with everything we've done here at CPYU, and it's so good to hear this, that there are people out there who are teaching these things and, and really getting traction. I want to mention, before we move on with a couple more questions for Amy, that uh, we'll, we'll talk here about a lot of resources, and as normally happens on the Youth Culture Matters podcast, anything that's mentioned, whether it's a book, a website, a conference, whatever, Mama Bear Apologetics itself, uh, Chris Wagner will be posting on the show notes for this particular episode links to everything. So just go to cpyu.org and find the uh, player for this show. Scroll down to the bottom beneath the player, and all those show notes will be there, so you'll be able to to track with all this. So, Amy, I want to hear about, uh, I I believe there were two main books that you folks have published through Mama Bear Apologetics, and then it looks like some some resource materials that go along with those books, workbooks and discussion guides and things like that. Can you talk about, tell us about the two different books? Yeah, so we've got two really great books. The first one that came out is the Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Culture, and that was a really amazing project that the MBA team did to where we had 10 amazing women contributors that were were just, uh, and, and I believe it was 10, that were contributing to different chapters that are not only pop culture relevant today, but also things that they're seeing creeping up in school. So we've got subjects on, or chapters on feminism, Marxism, emotionalism. I mean, gosh, if, if you remember back to Oprah's heyday, like everything was just this emotion-based spirituality is also addressed in there because again, that was also just so common within the late 90s, early 2000s, shaping the younger millennials as well as pouring into Gen Z of this whole, you know, this seeker 
sort of view on how we should approach faith. And then we, um, yeah, just address all these different issues within that book. And what's so neat about it is that each chapter could be its own sort of standalone book in and of itself, but it's set up to where it gives a brief overview of whatever the movement being engaged is. Uh, let's see, naturalism is engaged, which touches on scientism, this whole belief that the only knowledge and truth can come through scientific pursuits. And so each one of those are set up to be, okay, with, it first looks at what it is, what the movement is, uh, top leaders that were there, stats and statistics that are relevant, and then we go through the Rohr method of how to approach this biblically and, and reason well and be able to pick out the truth and uh, reject the bad. So it's taking the good and rejecting the bad, which is, is so it's a needed skill within Christianity because so often we can mistakenly assume that if something has a Christian label or looks Christian, that it must all be good, which isn't the case. There are some things that are proposed as Christian that are, are very much like prosperity gospel or progressive Christianity. And we have to be able to discern and test the spirits on all things, not just secular, but also Christian as well, because sometimes there are some very unbiblical truths that can come through a Christian source, and there can be some very godly wisdom in a very ungodly source. So it's that discernment and being able to filter the good and the bad that's incorporated through all of the books. So our first one deals with cultural issues. And the second one, which I contributed to, is specifically dealing with the issues of sexuality. And even though we were able to do all sorts of chapters on purity culture, homosexuality, uh, all of these big issues, we still didn't get to everything. So, but we, we did our best. And yeah, each chapter is just to help the parents understand the issue and the ideology at play today, what's going on in public schools, that sort of thing. So parents have this great foundational knowledge as well as they can hop over to the footnotes, which are worth their weight in gold in every book, I, I say, because goodness, there's so many other resources there available that parents can read and sharpen their knowledge and then be able to actively pour into their kiddos. So yeah, the first book is a fantastic, almost an introduction to apologetics and all of these questions and issues that maybe you have had, but didn't quite have the words for. And that's what it's going to equip you on. I've actually used it in uh, women's studies before to where I, I've led a class and we've taught the book. And I, I think probably my, my favorite review of the class was uh, one of my students came in, she goes, Amy, I love, and I absolutely hate this class because every time we do a chapter, I go out and then that's all I'm seeing. And I'm like, that's awesome. It's like, you see the matrix now. And it's great because that's what's so wonderful about these books is they're eye-opening, but they, they don't leave you feeling bogged down. Instead, they leave you with practical tips that you can do and start implementing with your kiddos right away on a whole range of topics. Yeah, I like that because discernment, you know, really is about having your eyes open to the truth and being yes. able to tell the difference between truth and error. And I truly believe, you know, it's, so so like that woman, right, who, who responded that way to you, she was never trained in that. So you're yeah. training her now. And 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 this is something we need to train our kids in. I mean, we we did this a lot in our home, obviously, because of what I do. And there gets to be a point where your kids look at you and they go, Dad, knock it off. You know, it's just <laughs> yes. a song. It's just a movie. No, it's mm -hmm. more than that. And, and, you know, we joke about it now that my kids are grown. They have kids of their own and they see the need of this. They understand yes. now. Some people say, you know, someone once said sound travels slowly, which you tell a kid when they're, when they're 15, they don't hear till they're 25 or 30. And that's actually true. 
and and with these skills of discernment, you know, our kids are starting to, when I say our kids, not just my kids, but kids who've been trained in this, you know, they would say, you ruined it for me, right? Yeah. I can't listen anymore. I can't watch anymore. Dad, knock it off. And and we joke about that, but that's that's actually who God calls us to be. That's yeah. what it means to have discernment and to follow Christ. The the second book, the most recent book that you contributed to, the one on sexuality, uh, let me just ask your opinion on this. From where you sit and how you folks have studied culture, when I travel, we talk a lot, we do a lot of seminars on you know marriage, sex, and gender uh, from a biblical mm-hmm. perspective. And one of the first questions I ask, you know, we sometimes call the seminar the talk, because when I'm with yeah. parents, you know, I'm having the talk with them, but I'm encouraging them to have the talk. And I ask them, how was the talk for you? How, you know, what was it? And did any of you have the talk? And it is amazing to me how many hands don't go up mm-hmm. and those that do go up who talk about the uh, depth, the extent, um, the, you know, the content of the talk, it is far from adequate. I mean, it's just completely yeah. inadequate where we've really, we say, okay, we've really failed, right, in the church. There's so many ways we've failed. From where you sit, what are some of the greatest needs in terms of moms, and I would say dads and youth workers as well, to change course from from inadequate education on sexuality and gender, marriage and love, um, to one that is truly biblical, where we are bold enough to speak as we should speak about God's good gift of sexuality and gender, which is something the culture is speaking about 24-7. As you said, our kids with their devices, they're engaging with this, you know, for multiple hours a day and being catechized into an understanding of this. So what would be some of the, you know, the urgent from where you say, we got to talk about this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny you bring that up. I actually ask that same question in every talk that I give when I am uh, presenting on sexuality. I ask, you know, okay, how many of you had this for your talk? And and me personally, I, I never received the talk. My, my folks just waited until that awkward class around fourth grade, you know, where they separate the boys and the girls and you watch that horrible video about how magical your bodily changes are. It's like, it's not magical. That is just weird. Uh, that's what I got for, for my talk. And I think perhaps the biggest the biggest need out there or the probably the biggest help is debunking the myth that it's a talk. It is not a talk. This is lifelong discipleship. It is discipleship because that's how God designed it. Every aspect of the faith has to be taught and discipled. That's that whole sanctification process. However, when it comes to sexuality, Satan has really taken ground and sort of altered culture so much to where it's just this awkward, maybe five minute conversation with mom or dad where some hand gestures and maybe that horrifying book, the um, medical book that shows the pictures of what happens, you know, uh, that's what we've reduced sexuality to. And it's no wonder culture has taken over because we've completely misunderstood that it's not a talk, it's a worldview. And so one of the, one of the talks that I've been giving most frequently this past fall is just explaining how sex is isn't a talk it is an expression of what we believe about god truth morality who we are as human beings what happens to us after we die james sire wrote a fantastic book called the universe next door and he lists out seven core questions that every worldview has to answer and sexuality very much answers all of those worldview questions however 
every time I've given a talk and I say, okay, how many of you were told that sex is actually an expression of your entire worldview? And I list off all of those things. I have never once had a hand raised. And I think that is the biggest reason. And the that we not only need culture to change, youth ministry culture needs to change their approach to sexuality. We also have to wake up parents to realize what is sexuality, because as it is a worldview, we have to be actively discipling our children. But some of us, uh, we put more effort into teaching our kids how to wield a Nerf gun than we do how what to do with their bodies and why it matters. And that's why this book is so important. Um, I, I speak all the time on, okay, what is, how is culture reaching boys and girls differently? And it, it's very strategic. It's very um, degrading and oppressive, but they make it look attractive. Uh, so if I can run off on a tangent, how, how culture is reaching kids nowadays is it starts as young as 12 to 14 months with bubble guppies and blues clues. Uh, Peppa Pig just recently had a lesbian uh, family on there. Uh, Bubble Guppies and Blues Clues have drag queens regularly during the month of June and Pride Month. So here we have a culture that is actively discipling babies from the time they are toddlers. And if we wait until 13, 14 youth ministry, our culture has been discipling our our children for upwards of 12 years. And then we're going to come in at 13 and try to jackhammer through that false foundation and lay a new one. It's, it's doable. Christ has worked bigger miracles. However, it takes longer and there are much more barriers and hurdles you have to go through. So that's why it's so important for us, not only as parents, because we're supposed to be the primary ones leading this. When you look at Deuteronomy 4.10, the Israelites had just been led out of uh, enslavement. And he says, and God tells his people, look, this is how you don't fall into idol worship anymore. You have to teach my precepts unto your children. And that word teach is the Hebrew word lemad, which means training with the implication that it will be put into use. So, and when we actually look at the beginning of Judges, we see that's not what happened. And the generation, the very next generation walked away from God because they hadn't been taught how to use God's word with the implication that they will be using it in the future. So when we look at our kids today, they are being actively evangelized and disciple by the secular sexual worldview to uh, live out this sex positive lifestyle, which means sexuality in any expression with however many people, whenever, however you want, all of it is good. In fact, the only way to be sex negative is to believe in heterosexual monogamous sex within marriage, the Christian worldview of sexuality. That's the only way to be sex negative. Not only that, you take... Uh, articles out of magazines like Teen Vogue and Cosmo that are telling people, okay, not only are you, should you not believe in the biblical model of sexuality, if you actually feel like the way your friend is living their lifestyle is dangerous or harmful, you're projecting your negativity on them. And you actually have internalized sex negativity, which you need to actively repress. So what they're discipling our kids to do, not only is to walk away from God, but also to suppress the speaking and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as we see in 1 Thessalonians 4, 5 through 8, when we get our view of sexuality wrong, we lose our ability to see God. And that is one of the most effective battles that Satan has waged on our culture as they have groomed our kids so they cannot hear nor see God. And that is why it's so important for us to be speaking to our kiddos, having this worldview approach to sexuality to where we say, okay, look, we, we see that people may have these uh, inclinations that they, they did not bring about themselves. They just happened. 
um, we can recognize that. But what are, what is the truth? God's truth for our bodies means that we have inherent value and dignity because we are made in the image of God. And therefore, what we do with our bodies matters. And we cannot treat our bodies like an inanimate object because as these proponents within Hollywood, like Ariana Grande or Demi Lovato, who used to be a former Disney kid, she encouraged... Um, earmuffs for the little ones on the on the radio here she said followers be sluts make pornography we are sexual beings do what you want there are worldview statements and everything she just said if we are just sexual beings we are no different from just material carnal objects we have no inherent dignity our dignity actually is dependent upon how we perform in the bedroom and that is deeply deeply degrading and then we're supposed to put ourselves out there to be objectified by another human being, then where is our value? It's, it's horrible. Um, and, but that's what we're seeing perpetuated within culture under this guise of not only this false view of freedom, but also now within women, it's being promoted within third and fourth wave feminism that ladies, this is empowerment. So your daughters, your 13, 14, 15, 16 year old daughter is being told that her form of empowerment is to shake and use her body to get ahead in life, to get the followers, to get the uh, YouTube presence that she wants to be deemed attractive within culture. And girls are buying this hook, line and sinker because for one, they, they want that attention. And two, boys have also been simultaneously been groomed through the women that they are seeing within video games and in their entertainment movies, that this is how a woman should look, how she should act. It's this three-part trope of she has to look like a supermodel, she has to be scantily clad and sexually aggressive. And so this is what boys are groomed from the time they leave Minecraft and Roblox and grow out of that phase, that this is what beauty looks like. This is what women should look and act like. And the girls are being told, ladies, this is what you need to look, act, and behave like to maintain the guy's attention. And what's so interesting is the same outfits that are on these women in these action films and the video games are the exact same ones on the dolls in the toy aisle at Target. So these girls are being groomed to self-objectify, which the APA recognized over 15 years ago, that girls are being sexually objectified at an exorbitant rate. I mean, it's just mind boggling. Um, and it's this cyclical process perpetuated within culture to not only um, lure people away from God, but there is also very much a an economical boost in there because sex sells. Porn is a multi, multi-billion dollar yearly industry. And if we can get young kids to be hooked early, then they become sensual consumers, not sensible ones. And we're seeing just the pitfalls and the brokenness within the family home culture, addiction to pornography, not just in men, but in women. And, and just this, this loss of one's identity, because we've bought into a false idol at such a young age. And our kids don't recognize it because we aren't teaching sex for what it is as an expression of one's worldview. Mm. I, I love this. I, I mean, I don't love the content, you know, or what you're explaining. I love the way you're explaining it because we need to have our eyes open. You know, I had a, uh, so many thoughts going through my head right now. Um, and affirm everything you're saying. We're, we're seeing all this. We're trying to talk about this. I had a mom come to me on Sunday. So in, in our church, I'm teaching a uh, co-teaching a 12-week class on digital discipleship. And I awesome. gave them a little sense that, you know, we're going to move in the future here to uh, one week. I wish we had, you know, six weeks to talk about pornography, the dynamics of pornography, how pornography works, how it's a fallen expression of a wonderful, good gift from God. And so I was I was just getting them ready for this because in a couple of weeks we'll, we'll hit them with this. 
And afterwards, I had a mom come up to me I had not met before uh, from our church, and she explained to me she is a guidance counselor locally here in an elementary school, and uh, or middle school, excuse me, middle school, because she has had girls come to her who, um, you know, they've talked about. Now, these are girls who are being shaped by this third and fourth wave of feminism, which to me, that, that whole thing, I mean, just to stop there and pause for a minute, you know, when many of us think of feminism, we think of um, the the movement away from objectification of females. You know, how dare you right. objectify me? But at the same time, the way that females present themselves is actually a form, as you said, of power. It's a way to exercise mm-hmm. control. And we've seen this a lot in music video over the years as well. Um, it's this, it's this kind of this two-edged sword hypocrisy type thing. But this, she said to me, you know, one of the things about the girls that talk to me now is they're they find increasingly finding the guys many of the guys their middle school peers to be I, I can't remember what word she's but I, I'll just paraphrase disgusting you know because mm. what they have is what they call porn brain so yeah. they they look right in the eyes of these guys the guys don't even need to say anything and they're picking up signals that this is a guy that's just been completely immersed in pornography and totally shaped misshaped deformed by by pornography and that's middle school yeah. you know you're talking about you got to see the movie in fourth grade I'm older than you I had a you know a gender segregated class where a gym teacher slash driver ed teacher coach Cunningham came in and very nervously you know stuttered through you know, just like what sex it is. It's the, it was the scene from The Wonder Years, right? Where, yeah, where that's what I was just so thinking about. I, I was like, oh my well, gosh, of well, course it was the, the gym teacher. Uh, like, yeah, that it could was, not have been anyone else. That was Coach Cutlip, right? In The Wonder Years, which people need to watch that because he was my age. So that was he, like Fred Savage's character, Kevin Arnold, was, was born in 1956 like I was. So when I watch that, I am just like taken back because it is so true. But that mm-hmm. scene, you know, is just so telling. And I and I want to just emphasize what you said. It is not the talk. It is the talking. It is the living. Yes. It is the ongoing conversation we need to have because we have to remember, as you've said, culture is hitting uh, our kids with this, you know, 24-7. And I know we're in the fall here, right? It's getting ready to go into the winter. But I want folks to remember this conversation when June rolls around. Because when June rolls around, that's Pride Month, and we start to perk up, and we know, you know, even in like March, April, and May, companies are are preparing, you know, what they're doing for Pride Month, and they're announcing already the efforts they will be making. You mentioned going into Target. Go into Target. Go onto Target's website when Pride Month comes, and they're just one of just about every retailer that leans into this, you know, they, they call it advertising now, right? Where, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're engaging in this and, and, and this is where, look, we're swimming in this and because we're swimming in it, that chances are we're not going to see it. And that's why we have to develop these skills so we can stand back. I, one thing I want to say before we take the break is you mentioned James Sire's book. So whenever someone's talking about worldview, and this was something I learned at Geneva college way back before James Sire wrote those books, you know, I was I was steeped in a in a theological tradition that uh, coming out of you know the Netherlands that talked a lot about worldview Abraham Kuyper and others, 
And and so we we were taught to think worldviewishly. And then then Sire writes his book, right, The Universe Next Door, which you mentioned a while ago. I think that's now. I I have multiple copies of that on my shelf because it seems like culture is changing so fast that that book is now in. I don't know what revision it's in or what. I mean, it's like seven or eight. I think we're up to now. And it's interesting to me to see as people track with that. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Amy, but he actually modified his definition of worldview that he mm-hmm. used in the book from the earlier versions to the later ones as we were really making that shift from a modern world to a more postmodern world. And it's really fascinating to read that. So I would recommend everybody. That's a great book on worldview. Would you, before we take a break, are there any other books on worldview or resources on worldview that you could recommend that would, would really help people who want to think through you know, what is worldview and what is a specifically Christian worldview? Oh, man. Um, I know Nancy Piercy, as we talk about sexuality. Anything by Nancy Piercy, finding truth, total truth. um, Loving God with your mind is also, it isn't strictly worldview, but it's all, it's encouragement to the church to um, pursue that intellectual worship and active intellectual worship. I really enjoyed that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything by Nancy Piercy, like just gold star, get that. It's, it's fantastic. And I, I like the way she reads it is more rigorous, but it is so engaging. So, I mean, I mean, gosh, her love thy body book. I have it mind broken in five pieces just because I've used it so often. So, um, but yes, total truth, finding truth. Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, uh, Love God with Your Mind is another fantastic one, which I think was J.P. Moreland, but don't quote me on that. I, I want to say it is Moreland. Um, Were you familiar uh, with uh, Harry Harry Blameyer's the his book, uh, The Christian Mind? That's an older ooh. one. That's a. I'd that's have a to look one. on my yeah. shelf. That yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. B l a m i r e s. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, what? Let me let me mention one more before we take the break, and that is. Um, Anything by Carl Truman right now that Carl's writing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, the rise and triumph of the modern self, and then the the kind of the abridged version of that, which is called Strange New World, because what Carl gets at in there as a as a as a church historian, a theologian, and someone who is really well versed in popular culture, um, he he really gets into the history of how these ideas have come about, and it helps us to see you know, what's happening. I, I would also mention Noelle Maring's book, Awake Not Woke. We've had her on, and she's done Ooh, some awesome. great stuff with that as well. So let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, finish up our conversation with Amy. Tens of thousands of kids have been trained by their parents and youth workers to think Christianly about music and media with our How to Use Your Head to Guard Your Heart 3D Guide to Making Wise Media Choices. This easy-to-use teaching tool needs to be in your youth ministry toolbox if you desire to teach your students to integrate their faith into all of life. Jesus calls us to follow him, and that includes following him into the six to nine hours a day of screen time that shape and mold the beliefs and behaviors of our kids. To learn more about our 3D Media Evaluation Guide and to order a copy for every member of your youth group, go to our website at cpyu.org teach your kids to engage with media to the glory of God. Well, in this last segment that we have with Amy, I want to ask her, she mentioned an acronym earlier. I don't know if you caught it all or not, but it was ROAR. 
And I'm guessing this is this is really right at the heart of what you folks are doing at Mama Bear Apologetics. Can you explain that acronym and how that works itself out practically? It's very helpful. Oh, yeah. And, and it's wonderful when you can have an acronym that really is, is catchy. It's easy to understand because it's not just parents that can lock it away in their brain, but it's kiddos as well. And that's one thing, you know, your kids are so clever. And if you can just uh, give them the tools to be able to pursue God with their minds, oh my goodness, they will shock you with what they do outside of your home, the confines of your home uh, and in the world. So within Mama Bear, we've got an acronym called ROAR, and this is basically our discipleship and, uh, excuse me, discernment tactic. So it starts out with the R, which is recognize the message. So whenever you are watching TV or listening to a song reading a book or a news article, recognize the message means, okay, we want to look and most charitably as possible. Let's see what they're actually saying. So what is just bare bones? What are they trying to come across? What claims are they making? This is not to where we we put any bias, no in, changes in tone. It's just what is being presented. Very objective. And so rec- very, very objective. objective. Yeah. And we want to be modeling this to our kiddos because the world wants our kids and everyone to think that Christians are these closed-minded, bigoted, you know, we were chucking Bibles like dodgeballs. That's what they want Christians to think. And you can actually even play a game with your kids to where if you have a TV show on, you can, you can do a spot the, Christ, the Christian uh, game to where my kids have done this, to where all of the Christian characters that they encounter are usually just they're goofy or they're hateful or whatever. That's that's a point, right? And so we want to break that caricature. And the best way to do that is by helping our kiddos to think well, to listen actively, and to just be as honest as possible with what's being presented. So that's the R, that's recognize the message. The O is offer discernment. And right out the gate, we encourage every single person that if you're interacting with someone or if you're reading an article, whatever you're encountering, point out everything that they got correct first. Because again, that's charitable and that's gracious. And you will blow people's mind if you're having, especially if you're having dialogue with someone who may not share your worldview or they know you're a Christian and they're worried that what they're about to tell you is going to, you know, put you on some holy rage. You know, if you can say, wow, you know what? I I hear what you're saying. I completely agree. And then list off all the things you agree with. Point out when they make good points. Because again, this is a practice, it's it's a skill, it's a muscle that has to be trained, not only within ourselves, but in our kids. And we want our kids to recognize, okay, truth can come from some ungodly sources. We had the demons rightly point out the divinity of Christ. Um, and so this helps debunk the myth that if something has a Jesus label, that it's automatically good, uh, or if it is secular, that it's automatically bad, because no, there are some amazing biblical truths that are come from some secular sources, and there are some very unbiblical uh, nonsense that can come from supposed Christian sources. So we want our kiddos to be able to offer, um, offer discernment in regardless of what information they're encountering. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to uh, to not hinder the Holy Spirit, but to test all things. Can I, um, can I affirm just what you said there, just to interrupt? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I want to I emphasize what you said. Another way of saying that is all truth is God's truth. Wherever Absolutely. We, wherever we find truth, you know, it's there. And, you know, the Apostle Paul did this when he was in Athens, right? When he walked mm-hmm. around and he, he noticed things, he... He gravitated towards things that that left him deeply distressed, right, because of their yeah. lostness. But he was aware of what their categories were and the things that he could, you know, affirm there. And I know, you know, missionaries these days do that when they're crossing cultures as well. 
and yeah. trying to contextualize. So, and and I think that's just you know that's just right, and it's good thinking. And you know, one good strategy would be uh, if there's something you think you disagree with, and you're engaging with someone, just ask them questions, right? Yeah. Just 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 you know, and and remain that just. That just fosters good conversation and opens the lines of communication so that when we do offer up biblical truth, uh, they're more prone to listen. That doesn't mean they'll believe it right away. That's the Holy Spirit's job, but we're there planting those seeds. So I love this, and I, I think our kids need, you know, to learn this. Absolutely. And those questions that you mentioned, it reminds me of Greg Kogel's book, Tactics. I mean, he has he has so many great questions in there to nurture conversation and help you do a, a sort of informational recon to really understand what the person believes. Because within our culture today, people will retweet something really quickly without actually thinking through it just because it stirred them emotionally. So sometimes some of the most effective conversations you can have is just by when you repeat back what the person is claiming, it actually helps them hear it anew. And they're like, oh, wait, is that what I believe? And it also does the double duty of if you maybe have misunderstood something, if you just say, okay, I think I understand what you're saying. Um, you said, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this, this, and this. That way, the other person will know, hey, this person's listening. They're being charitable. That's awesome. And two, they will correct anything that you maybe have misunderstood because that way you're not going after uh, an argument that was never made. It's called making a straw man argument. Mm -hmm. um, and the straw man fallacy, you don't want to go after those straw men are great for Dorothy, not great for conversation. So it's just asking these good questions. Okay, what did what do you mean by that? If they use any sort of any words that we're seeing constantly co-opted in culture today, like love, justice, equity, marriage, sex, all of these things, anytime you hear any one of those words, you want to pause the conversation and say, okay, wait, what do you, what do you mean by this? Because if we don't, we can find ourselves agreeing with or arguing against something that they may not have made an argument they may not have made or something we don't even agree with if uh if we concede to love without getting some clarification on wait what do we mean by love it's so important we want our kiddos to be recognizing that too and you know this is one thing i have so many parents that'll write and be like okay you know i'm not even taking my kids out of the house this june because of all the stuff out there and i'm like well you know the poor kids are going to be sun deprived for one and two you're actually missing out on some amazing conversations that have been offered to you on a silver platter by culture itself walk through the stores and be like okay we see this this cat house or this pillow now says equity and love is love and all are welcome what do they mean by that and as you're shopping, you can have these awesome, culturally engaged conversations with your kids that are making an impact for the kingdom. Can, so, I, can, I, can I throw out two more words to what add absolutely. to your list? I thought that was good. Uh, these actually, uh, <laughs> they're not words, but they're being uh, Jesus yep. and God. Well, I mean, when you hear people refer to Jesus and you, you know, yeah, it, it's like when kids come home and they say, oh, so-and-so, you know, just released a new album and she or he mentioned Jesus. They must be Christians. Well, let, uh -huh. let's stop right there. And let's 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 backpedal and let's try to get some understanding of who or what they're talking about. Are they getting it right? Or are they getting it wrong? Which is part of your, you know, 
offer discernment. So I'm yeah. sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I love it. And you're, you're absolutely right. Even phrases like being open-minded or closed-minded, you have to engage that because now being truly what it means to be open-minded means you are willing to evaluate any claim for truth. But now people are trying to say that being open-minded means you accept all right. things as truth. And that's utter nonsense. Um, that is not being open-minded. That's just being a fool. And so that's why even phrases like that uh, we have to be engaging and helping our kiddos too, because they're the ones that are going to have that accusation lobbed at them. And if we can explain to them, uh, especially teenagers, if you've got teens who, you know, so many of them curtail their behavior to get likes and follows to where they will even compromise their faith in some ways because they're trying to get worldly affirmation. Those kids need to be built up to be righteous kids and be fearless in front of culture. And they do that by being righteous before the Lord. So that's how we equip the, the teens in the group, but even those who are empathetic, so many of the empathetic things, which is a wonderful asset for the kingdom, but so many of them will compromise truth for the sake of their friends' feelings. And we have to love people enough to say, yes, your feelings might be real, but they may not be true. And that is how we be loving. And so that's that's all in that that offer discernment, that oh, uh, so we got recognize the message, offer discernment, meaning we're pointing out the good, but also recognizing the bad. Jesus did this beautifully. Uh, if you look at the parable of the woman, or not the parable, um, the story of his encounter with the woman at the well and his encounter with Zacchaeus, you will see that he engaged people who were in the midst of their sin, but he did not reduce them to their sin. Instead, he showed them the beauty of the gospel. And then through the working of the Holy Spirit, change was brought about. So if you're wanting to know how to interact or how to help teens interact uh, with culture, show them how Jesus stood firm in the faith and loved people, but he never compromised truth. And there's that's two really great stories that you can use there. So our third uh, letter is the A. So that's argue for a healthier approach. So this is where we want to sort of ask some questions like, what are they seeking for? What? How does the worldview that they have embraced fail to meet what they're ultimately seeking for? How can they not actually find that within it? And so it's it's in part a sort of reflection on the information you have gathered by hearing them out and asking good questions and helping them clarify definitions and their, their position. And then what we do is that's the evangelistic opportunity to where we show, okay, but look, the community, the love, the affirmation that you're seeking, those are good things to seek after, but they cannot be found outside of Christ. And here's why. And that's that gospel opportunity. And then the final R is reinforce. And that's with prayer, with future conversations, with um, active discipleship. Again, not every encounter is going to allow that. You may interact with uh, you know, a barista at the coffee place or somebody that's waiting behind you in line or you're seated next to in the airport. You can exchange emails, but you know if there's not going to be a, a second meeting, sometimes that that reinforcement is just within the spiritual to where we're just lifting them up in prayer. Um, but it's also taking advantage of opportunities to have further conversations with those we're actively pouring into. So Elisa Childers, um, I believe it was her who suggested this. Uh, it was either that or Melissa King Travis to where when you go to a movie theater, pick one that's purposely further away. And then once you get out of the movie, don't give the kids the cell phones or the tablets or whatever, 
Instead, ask, okay, what did we see in the movie theater? What were the gospel truths within the movies? Frank Turek just came out with a great book that he co-wrote with his son called Hollywood Heroes. And he points out how all of these Marvel movies and superhero movies, they steal from the gospel because the things that we most love in our heroes, self-sacrifice, um, you know, fighting for one another, being rescued, all of that is found within the gospel. And you can have amazing gospel conversations with your kiddos just by keeping them unplugged a little bit from uh, from entertainment, social media, electronics, that sort of thing. We need to be nurturing these good relationships. And then two, um, with teens especially, you know, I get a lot of questions from parents like, how do I engage my teen? One of the best things that you can do, uh, I've heard suggested, is to look at their music accounts, see what their favorite songs are. And then read the lyrics because so many kids will love a song because it's catchy, it rhymes well. Okay, but how many of them actually think about what they're singing? And most kids do not. Um, my kid, uh, he's 10 or he was 10 at the time. He came home singing Lil Nas's Montero. I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh, which is a song celebrating LGBTQ lust. And he was singing the chorus of the song. He had no idea what the song meant. And so we, we just, okay, buddy, do you know what you're singing? No, I just heard it from a friend on, on school. And it's pretty catchy. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. It is catchy. Uh, but, but look at what it's actually conveying here. And then once he understood what the song meant, he goes, oh, whoa, I am not going to be singing that anymore. And I'm like, solid choice, buddy. And it was one of those mom didn't freak out. Dad didn't freak out. Instead, we just looked to see what it was actually conveying. And we got to have an awesome, awesome conversation about a song that was glorifying living a sexual lifestyle outside of God's design. And I didn't even have to say anything to my kid. He just goes, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I don't want to be singing about that. It, it was awesome. And that's what we're doing is we are taking advantage of the little moments to point kiddos back to God because all of those little moments add up. Mm, that's awesome. This is so good. I want to turn the corner and, and bring this to a close. And as we always do, just a word, a sentence, if you would. Let's start with uh, moms. Then I want you to go to dads and then youth workers. Just a, a parting, parting word to each. Okay, to moms, you don't have to be omniscient. It's not a spiritual gifting. You are not the Holy Spirit. Instead, look at where your kids are at. Ask them where they're at, what they're encountering, and go and read one blog or listen to a podcast or read a chapter and just have one conversation. That's all you have to do. This week, just have one conversation. And then when that conversation's up, just go out and have one more. That is how you disciple your kiddos. For dads, thank you so much for being bold in your kiddos. Today's culture we need dads to stand firm and defend their little ones, not just their boys, but their daughters from the false ideology that's targeting them in the schools. So I encourage you to breathe, to be brave, wield the armor of God that God or the armor that God has given you. So that way you can not only nurture your daughter, but potentially protect the future generations that are coming. And youth workers, your students want truth. They are clever. They want to think well about issues and they will shock you with the, the depth of their understanding. So take them outside of their comfort zone and challenge them to be bold in the faith because whatever bar you set for them, they will meet. So make it a godly bar. That's so good. Thanks, Amy. I, I'm so glad you're, you're, uh, you were here to join us today and then your work with Mama Bear Apologetics. We want to encourage again, folks, you don't just have to be a mom. To go there. Don't let the name scare you, right? 
uh, but go there and and uh, scout around on their website, learn about their resources, get their books. Uh, there's so much wisdom that was shared today that's just a, a small portion of what you can find there, and so we would encourage you to make use of that. Thank you, Amy, for, for being on with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today, Walt. And uh, for everyone who's listening, thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the next episode of Youth Culture Matters. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.